Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. The title of our message this morning is Irresistible. Say irresistible. Say it again, irresistible. I can't hear you shout it out, irresistible. Irresistible. Irresistible, irresistible. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in his field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to gain enough money to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for choice pearls. When he has discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought that pearl. When you think of God, think of beauty. Think of the highest good. Think of value. Think of the highest estimation of value. Think treasure. Think what people on earth will do anything for. That is how you have to think of God. Raise your views of God today. Raise your value of who God is this morning. Raise your expectation of who God is this morning. Raise your sights or the knowledge of who God is this morning. Raise it up. Raise it up. Elevate, elevate the glory of God. We live in a world where people elevate the beauty of them. How many of you have watched this trend on Instagram? I am beauty. Potatoes with potatoes. Well, how does it go? I'm sure all of you have heard it, yeah? Can we, can I hear it? You have no idea. <laughs> you guys, please don't lie. Somebody here has heard it. <laughs> yes. How does it go? I am Haters will hate. I, I am beauty. This is the first one he goes with. I am beauty. Then what's the second one? I'm a speck. I, I drip glory. <laughs> Haters will hate. Potatoes will potato. But my blood shall never dry. We estimate ourselves, and, and actually it's actually quite great because it's motivation. Motivation is required in a broken world. You need to actually pick up yourself from where you are. But sometimes motivation now drips into self-adulation and self-worship. So, that is actually where we are supposed to journey away from. I sent a picture of, of the of the most expensive diamond. Yeah. Can we have that picture this morning? This is 300 carat. This 300 carat diamond. This is still the most expensive diamond in the world. Guess where it was found? South Africa. Guess where it's located? London. 
It's in the Tate Museum, London. Is where this, this card was found in 1903. It's the most, it has a name, I can't remember the name now. It's the most expensive jewel in the world. It's worth $400 million. It's just the size of a hand. It's the purest form of diamonds known to man. There are two that are bigger in size than this, but the carats of, the carats of this exceeds all the other ones. So over 300 carats pure. Like diamond, I'm like $400 million. It could build a city, one small stone found in 1903 by DBS miners in South Africa. They gave it as a gift to Queen Victoria. I can't remember the name of the gift. <laughs> Af Africa. <laughs> I, like, that's not where I was going. <laughs> I, I know all of you guys are set in a direction, but that's not where I was going. I was talking about value. Value. The highest amount of human value. The highest elevation of what we count to be worthy of adoration. The highest thing that people lay their lives for. When you begin to have an understanding of God, God is incredible. The wonder of God is something we should all practice. How awesome God is, is something we should all develop and learn how to practice the awe of God. We have to learn the power of his redemption. Redemption is something we should never forget. How we were designed for for how every trajectory in our life was heading to death and there was an intervention and God gave us life. The desire for glory is something we're supposed to seek after more than anything in our lives. It should be our muse. It should be our art. It should be our urgent quest. It should be the thing that we are after. This desire for God should be the thing that we are about. This knowledge of God should be the thing that makes our hearts beat and make our mind move faster. The irresistible knowledge of the awesome God who by words formed everything we see. We should crave the knowledge of this God we should desire this more than anything in all the earth. This is the desire for glory. When you find him, he is irresistible. When you find him, he is unquantifiable. When you know him, <laughs> oh my God, I don't know. I don't have words to describe. Words fail me because man-made man words will never do to describe the glory of this God we're talking about. At the end of yourself, you lose words. Because words are just 
trying to describe what you feel, what you sense, what you know of God. And the more God unlocks himself, the more beautiful he is to the person who knows him. To the undiscerning, God is a bore. To the unknowledgeable, worship is when is he going to finish? To the person who have never tasted the, the Rama word of God, the Bible is like sawdust. When they read it, it doesn't make sense. But when God begins to open your eyes, all of a sudden light begins to come out of the pages of the Bible like shafts of light. When you begin to experience and encounter God, then all of a sudden something begins to break through you and pulse it through you. What did the disciples see that made them to abandon their fishing boat and their entire enterprise to follow a rabbi? A teacher who did not have nest, who did not have a house. When they came to him, he said to them, foxes have holes, birds have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. What do you think people saw to rise and pursue such a man or such a man? What do you think made the ministry of one which was a failure when he died? He had no disciple by the time he died. There was nobody following him. The only person Following on the road to Golgotha, you won't even believe the person who helped him carry his cross was not one of his disciples. It was a guy called Joseph of Arimathea, an African guy, was the one who helped him carry his cross. All his disciples were gone. If you don't call failure in ministry, what is that? The one who swore to him and said, eh, 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 Lord, if they come near you, eh, I will. When they came, he removed, managed to remove Malchus, shave off Malchus' ear. Oh God, all your thread is only half of the ear you could get. You could even cut the neck. And after that night, at Gethsemane, when they arrested him, he felt what it was like to be rejected. There's no one following him. This is classic ministry failure. No disciple at that point. It was only Peter that was falling from afar, seeing what was happening. The people warming themselves by the fire, went and gathered them. Are you one of the disciples? It was not cool to be a disciple of Jesus Christ at that time when your master is being beaten, stripped naked, going along with the fugitives. He's one who swore and said, honestly, i never seen him before. I swear to God, I'm not a monk. <laughs> That that dead ministry today has 4 billion followers from all over the world. That that which was dead comes back alive. This is the beauty of God. That even things that are dead, he can resurrect them. You had the testimony of the resurrection of our brother. <laughs> he resurrected. He was gone. They lost him. Paul's everything gone for some minutes. And I see you. God will cause dead things to come alive. God who rejoices in bringing dead things back to life. What did Moses see at the burning bush that made him turn his back on his criminal record? 
and go to Egypt to the most fearsome king to go and tell them about a God who released the people who were his prisoners. <laughs> what do you think Moses saw that gave him temerity? According to English word, Nigerian English word, temerity. <laughs> How many of you have used that word temerity in secondary school? <laughs> That made him to go back the midday's most scary king in his day and said to him, release the people of God. What do you think the person who gives their lives to Christ sees? That convicts them of their unrighteousness. What do you think a sinner sees that makes him weep and becomes in tune with the fact that he is not righteous? And he begins to make his journey towards faith. What do you think is the pool at the allure of the cross? What do you think is the reason why a death that happened 2,000 years ago captivates the attention of the world? Say irresistible. I can't hear you. Say irresistible. irresistible. What did Isaiah see when his uncle Uzziah had died. What was that vision he saw? And what was that thing he participated in? That he felt like a dead man. Said, woe is me. I'm not good enough. What is it that they talk about when they talk about heaven? The end of all things when we're going to leave this earth and transition into glory, what is that thing that people see that is the eternity of God? Say irresistible. It is the beauty of God. Say irresistible. God is irresistible. For those who know him, his awe is irresistible. <laughs> For those who understand him, what he gives is irresistible. The first thing I know God to be is strong. God is reliable enough for you to build your life on him. God is consistent enough for you to build your future on. He's dependable enough for you to build your business on. He wants to be the benefactor of your life. We may know this in principle, but I feel like God is asking us to activate this right now. He is the horn of your salvation. God is asking us to wake up and realize that he is the reason, he is the essence why we are here. He is what we are pursuing. He's our chief desire. He's our chief quest. He is what we're looking for. And he can tell you and say, let me save you the journey of where your life is headed. I am. I am. Jesus looked at the people and said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Many of us are trying to travel, to come back, to build families, to build businesses. And these things are legitimate. But what's the end of everything? What's the end result of all that you are trying to build? What's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? The psalmist says, 
in Psalm 18 verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. If you're looking for safety, it's in the same God. God is safety. You will be safe from the wicked in the name of Jesus. By the strength of the Lord, as destruction wastes in the city, the arms of the Lord will keep you in the name of Jesus Christ. As robbers rob and go out, it shall not come near you in the name of Jesus. As wickedness of men fills the land and kidnappers and rampagers run amok, it will not come near you in the name of Jesus. You would have been there one, one, mile, one mile after they have gone. You would have been, you'd be arriving one mile. You'll be behind one mile after they are operating in the name of Jesus Christ. As the Lord keeps his people, so the Lord will keep you because he is strength. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it and they are saved. The grace of God. That's the second thing. Number one thing God is, is strength. Number two thing God is, is grace. The grace of God is irresistible. The work he finished for you on the cross is incredible. You know, I, I said last Sunday, was it last Sunday or two Sundays ago, I said that many of us don't understand redemption. Do you understand? We don't understand redemption. We understand love. So how many of you have described love before? The way he loved me. He looked into my eyes. He bought me roses. He said good words to me. We understand love. When it comes to falling after God, what do we say? He found God. That's it. That's it. He found God. Who is God? What about the wiping out the rubbish in your mind? What about the liberation of your, of your angry thoughts at night? What about sitting without hope in the world and directionlessness? What about how he freed you? How he was your anchor? How he was your object of desire? We are the people who know how to, how to hanker after God. And how to have a way into his presence. The Bible says Solomon had knew how to address the courts of the almighty God. This morning I'm in a recruitment business for some lovers of God. Are there some lovers of God here today who know how to love on the Lord? Who knows what redemption looks like? Who knows what the grace of God looks like? Who knows how God shapes your heart who knows how he doesn't leave your heart in pieces who knows how he gives grace to the weary who knows how he holds you up when everything is falling apart we are the people who know God in a different kind of way this morning I don't want to preach a message I want to bring you into a God experience the experience of tasting of the Lord the Bible says oh taste and see that the Lord is good taste the Lord Taste the Lord. Taste the Lord. Taste the goodness of God. Taste the beauty of that which wipes out evil from your mind. Taste the strength of that which holds you up in distress. Taste the grace that holds you when the world is falling apart around you. 
Taste the one that encourages you when the words of men cannot come to you. Taste the one to whom you fall when life is happening. Taste the rock to which you run into when everything is falling apart. This is grace, irresistible grace that God can give you beauty that God can give you beautiful ashes that you can taste of the Lord that you can participate in His holiness. Of all the things to be desired the most, the grace of God should be chief. How we lose our capacity and break it and we break as human beings. How we come to the edge of ourselves and, and one comes alongside us to give us something that we lack. That is what you should desire. That's what you should hunger for. The reality of God. The truth of God. The connection to God. Look, like, like many people have lost this thing of the desire for God. Let this be your heart. Let this be your hunger. That you want this more than money. That you want this more than anything. That you want this more than life itself. And in the brokenness of the earth, you can, you can have fellowship with the spirit of eternity. That you sit in the earth, but your head is sitting in heavenly places with Christ. And your heart is connecting beyond this realm. And you are breaking through the realms of the earth and sitting in realms that man cannot touch. And you are coming beyond where people are into the presence of the almighty God. Let this be your desire today. Say, I desire you. I desire you more than anything. For you are irresistible. 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 You're the pool that wakes me up in the morning. <laughs> You're the call that draws me from my bed to my knees. You're the hunger. You're the hunger I see. Thank you, irresistible God. Irresistible is your grace. <laughs> Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The work he finished for us, what he did on our account, that we do not have to earn our salvation, that the work of your saving has been done. All we need to do is to allow the grace of God to have his full work in us. Allow. Say to someone, allow. Do not run away from the grace of God. Say to someone else, allow. Do you know our work is not to work for the grace. It's just to allow, give permission. Allow. Allow. Do you know God is waiting with grace for every one of us? But we're too stuck up. We're too set. We're too formed. Yeah, too put together. Allow, allow. There's a guy called Charles Spurgeon. He's an incredible, incredible preacher. He lived in the 1800s. And he had like a massive experience of God. Incredible experience of God. But there was something about his ministry 
He suffered from depression. And then he had some conditions, something called Bright's disease. He had like three or four diseases. He was the most prolific preacher England had ever known. He would preach 50 sermons a week. I think I used to preach, but I never reach out. You know, like I can preach 10 sermons a day. I actually, if you meet me, it's actually preaching. <laughs> Anytime I'm preaching. But guess what? Charles Spurgeon will do 50 messages. I don't know how many preach a day. That means 11, yeah. Seven, right? Seven messages a day. Crazy, wild guy. So, and his preaching carried people into heaven, literally. But he was suffering from depression. Especially when he had the first disease. I think he... The, his depression episode started when he was 30, when he was 35. He, had, he was known to be such a great preacher. So he put together a meeting in the center of London. This meeting was so well publicized and so well attended that it was, he, he jammed the stadium full. This was the days when England was a Christian nation. He jammed the whole stadium full. And just as he was about to stand up to start preaching, some people, some scoundrels in the city started shouting out, fire, fire. And then there was a stampede. And seven people died. And the press came out of him, came after him. 28 people were injured in the hospital. Seven people died. The press came after him. That was the beginning of his depression. It's like, God, where? So he struggled. But guess what? He continued preaching. He had Bright's disease. He continued preaching. When he was like about 50 years old, the Bible, I want to say the Bible said no, because it's someone who lived in the 1800s. When he was about 50 years old, he would be so sick, he would lie on his side for one week. He said that it's a blessing for him to be able to turn on the other side. Once he got well like this, back to preaching. You need to read about Charles Spurgeon's sermon. Let me give you a little thing he said. This was written about 1860-something. 18, if Jesus were to stand on this platform tonight, what would many people do with him? If he were to come and say, here I am, I love you, will you be saved by me? Not one of you would consent if it were left to your own will. He himself, no man can come to me except the Father who has sent me draw him. Ah, we want that. And here we have it. They shall come. They shall come. You may laugh. You may despise us. But Jesus Christ shall not die for nothing. If some of you reject him, there are some that will not. If some are not saved, others shall be. Christ shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. They shall come and not in heaven nor on earth, not in hell can stop them from coming. You're talking about the harvest. See, people are coming for God. Truly, 
Maybe of our own volition, we will not be able to access what God has. Truly of our own capacity, we will not be able to unlock the door into what God has. But guess what? The Father is tearing this. Jesus said in John chapter 4, the time is when neither in Jerusalem nor in this mountain will people worship the Father. For God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What was he saying? He says, now is the time for people to worship God in spirit and in truth. Not in Jerusalem, not in this mountain. Not in the church building, not in the atmosphere, but everywhere God will begin to pop up people to raise, to worship Him. Everywhere on radio stations, on FM, on AM, on TV stations, people will begin to rise who worship God. Everywhere in the banks, in the commercial buildings of life, in the businesses, people will begin to pop up who worship God. Everywhere in the institutions of men, in the telcos, in the systems that were built, in the financial services industry, in the oil and gas sector, people will pop up who worship God. In the real estate business, there will be people who rise up who worship God. Everywhere you turn, in construction, in industry, in government, people will rise who will worship God baby, because you don't need to go to the mountain. You don't need to go to the mountain. The scripture I Obama brought that says, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. You also as living stones are being built into a temple for God. All of us together, when we come together, we are now the temple of God. So you are the block. Somebody else is the door. Somebody else is the hinge. Somebody else is the, is the column. Someone else is the pillar. And guess what we are doing? We are being built up. One of the things the devil wants to do is isolate you. Alone. You are not powerful enough. Do you understand? Alone, you're not powerful. Let me say it. Yeah? There's a sense in which you can't. Everybody's isolating themselves and think like I can do it by myself. Haven't you noticed that when you try it sometimes, your power reduce, reduce, reduce until sometimes your power even quench. People withdraw and say that I want to go and sort out myself before coming. When they go, guess what the devil does? They will make soya with them. That's, he wants to isolate you. He wants you to be all by yourself. So that his words will now become powerful in you. The truth is that. I'm not saying this presence of God does not mean, means that there is no pain in the world. I'm not saying that there's no evil in the earth. I'm not saying that there's no death in Nigeria. Every day, I encounter the ugliness of death as a pastor. If you come from the north of Nigeria, you see the deaths. Come from the south-south, you see the crimes. You see the death everywhere. You go outside on the streets, you see the ugliness of the nation. So, Talking about the beauty of God is not denying the reality of brokenness. Or not denying that some of you don't have money. And you've been waiting on God for a long time for a contract. We're not denying that there is pain in your family. 
We're not denying that there's floods in Gdansk, in Poland, and across Western Germany, across China, and even in Lagos, Nigeria, there's floods. So when we're talking about the beauty of God, we're not denying reality that man is broken. Yesterday, someone sent me a question. WhatsApp and said, Pastor Moon, what about people dying young? How come so many people are having incurable disease? This heart attack thing that is taking people out, how far? And many of these people are believers. What of COVID? When we thought we conquered it, then a, del a Delta variant showed up. What is going on? What is the heart of God? I think Ayobami and I, we had this conversation about some months ago. Where is the power? People face loneliness. People face business closure. People face broken marriages by themselves. Some people have decided that they're going to stay married even though their marriage is rubbish. They're not really getting anything from the marriage. Just decided that, well, there's nothing out there in any case as well. To stay. To walk at it, they're not interested. So I'm not denying that these things are real. But guess what? This is the reality of pain on earth. You know, sometimes eh, as a pastor, in the morning, I'm doing funeral. In the evening, I'm doing wedding. Do you understand the emotions of doing a funeral where the person is young and everybody is really, really grieving? And in the afternoon, you are doing a wedding where everybody's young and everybody's happy. And you're the only one who is lost in the middle of rejoicing. And you have to bring yourself so that you don't drown the event and tell them, preach a, wed a funeral message in the wedding. <laughs> you can preach a funeral message in the wedding. Vanity of vanity! All is vanity. <laughs> As a pastor, I'm very well aware of tragedy. Understand? I've seen people bury their one-day-old baby. What sin would you say? We actually had to take the baby away from the parents, put the baby in a carton, and just go and look for a space in that town cemetery and put the baby down. I've been there when the plane crash happened. Two of our prayer band members in the church where I was pastoring were there and had the responsibility to go and break the news to their parents. One of the two ladies was fasting and praying when she crashed. And she was hanging in the air for one hour crying before the plane finally exploded. The other one, I was counseling with her to get married. Her, 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 fiance, had just, her fiance had come from the UK. How to break the news to their parents. What do you say about a 26-year-old who dies in a plane crash? 
to their parents. So when I talk about the irresistibleness of God, it's not that I don't know pain. I probably know more pain than most of you sitting down here. I've tasted it in my own personal life, bearing my elder brother, standing against culture and tradition when they try to enforce those things. I've carried pain in my bosom. But pain doesn't deny irresistible. It shows how broken earth is. That tells you you need more than earth. You need more than earth. I repeat, you need more than the view of the earth realm. Paul says, if it is in, only in this world we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. We need more than earth. We need a view of eternity. We need a view of the eternity of God. We need a view of a king who sits above the cherubims of the earth. And even now he's calling you to elevate your view. I hear the spirit of God says, elevate, elevate your view. Raise up, raise up your visions. If all your plans starts and stops in this world, it is not enough. If all your plans is about what you're going to be on earth, you will be disappointed. Raise your view into my eternity. Do you know that everything I see about brokenness helps me to reinforce my need for the irresistible. When you see sickness, you hope for glory. When you see brokenness, you pray for glory. When you see calamity, that's your prayer point. When you see challenge, that's your crying moment in the spirit. You know, when you see evil, that's your fighting moment. When you see wickedness of men, that's when, when you see incapacity, like they say your business is dead, that's when you should rise up and say, no, I'm living above the earth. Something on your inside should break. You should never agree defeat. When you see brokenness, that's when your eyes should rise up. I know so many people when they see brokenness, they go and hide themselves and start to get themselves together. You can't, you can't, you can't. That song says, when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted up. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet with my hands lifted up. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. There's an irresistible place when the glory of God begins to show up on, among men. There's a place of power when men begin to encounter the divine. There's a place when that takes us above the problems of the earth. There's a place we stand that elevates our view above the troubles of the moment. There's a place beyond the mind realm, beyond the philosophy realm. There's a place beyond the psychology. This is psychology of things. This is the how things are. There's a place beyond the ideology of men. It's another place. It's another place. Say irresistible. 
That's what beauty looks like. That's what glory looks like. There's a pool right now for some people to come into that irresistible place. There's a glory right now for some people to come into that place where God lives. There's a calling now for some people to rise up above. Rise up above the things of this earth and set your eyes on the eternity of God. The Bible says, why we look not at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen for the things which are unseen are eternal we raise our eyes to the eternity of God we set our eyes to the future where the green in the in the sky touches the blue in the ocean at the end of all horizon we set our eyes to the eternity of God knowing that our future is secure in him knowing that our future is good in him knowing that his power is made perfect in our brokenness and at the end of all things we win at the end of all things we overcome at the end of all things we have the glory say amen. amen God did not conscribe us to defeat God did not conscribe us to death God did not conscribe us to brokenness that's not the plan of God God wants redemption God wants freedom God wants salvation every time you see brokenness cry out Every time you see brokenness, what should you do? Cry out! Oh my goodness, like I'm not preaching to these people here today. Oh, Raise our sights, oh God, in the eternity of God. For in, in seeing you, everything of earth fades away. This, this old hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his glorious face and the things of earth will, stroke, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Oh, turn your eyes. Turn your eyes away from your troubles. Turn your eyes away from the brokenness of the earth. Turn your eyes into eternity. This is the strategy of heaven. It's from above that we fix the things of earth. It's the person who sits above that can solve the problems of the earth. It's the person who sits above that can fix, fix the government of Nigeria. It's the person who sits with heavenly places that will hear holy conversations about the plans of God for nations. Sit above, sit above, irresistible. Amen. Why do we not see the glory of God? Why is the glory of God? So this week, my daughters and I were having devotion. I think it was on Wednesday or so, Thursday. And my second daughter, Adia, says that she said, it seems like there's something at work to make us to see the things of God as if they're not beautiful and the things of the world as if they're really cool. Do you know, we will play the best worship song, but still, guess what people will prefer? Bonaboy. Like, you cannot tell me that you love God and you love Bonner Boy more than a song of worship. Let me go there. You cannot tell me that you love God and then after praise and worship, you need something like that to, 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 to charge you down. 
You cannot tell me that you love God on your birthday parties. That's actually what you are playing. I told this story in Abuja. We went to somebody's birthday party, 40th birthday, clam. My senior pastor, myself, and another pastor, three of us, we went. We were officiating ministers. I, pre I preached the message, preached a beautiful message. The whole place was a blowout. I thought, like, fantastic. We certainly set the atmosphere. It was almost like an anointing service for this woman to begin a new level of ministry as she was turning 40, entering into maturity. Yeah? After we finished this, finished this beautiful service, it was time for dinner. Just as we were about to have dinner, two people came into the place and the whole place went, wow! Guess who the two people were? Dibanj. It was the days when Dibanj was raining. I am Dibanj. And uh, was it the dark, the dark one? Uh, the Wandeko, yes, the black one. I want to say the black one. <laughs> they came. And then he goes, I am the bunch. I am the bunch. Just goes, ching, 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 ching. The whole place went wild. No one sang like that for our praise and worship, which we did for one hour. <laughs> no, honestly, what is your priority? Let's ask this question today. What do you elevate? What do you elevate? Why do we have a pining interest to put seduction into our events? Why is that the most compelling thing? Okay, you guys play it now. He's, he's around. Go. Singers now, yeah. You guys come. Let's sing a stanza of that song. Do you know we need to unlock the music? We need to unlock the enjoyment. Do you know what God planned was for us to enjoy Him, enjoy worship, enjoy our praise, enjoy our dance. We do life together. We eat together, we laugh. You don't need to go and have fun with some other people who are not good for you, who inject poison to your spirit. After you're done with church, church is supposed to be a life. When we finish from here, invite somebody to lunch. Let's do life together. This is actually how to bring the kingdom of God down and to enjoy the presence of God. So let's sing this song. Sorry, I'm not trying to preach. I'm trying to get us to understand what I'm saying. So I'm demonstrating it. So can you rise on your feet? Let's try this song. And hear the, hear the music. Dance to the music. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. Mountain, you see the mountain move. And as I walk through. 
this velvety and beauty you're looking for. Get an Antonio Bassi who sings. There is a place that I love to dwell. He's the greatest of my father. All the host of heaven gathered, worshiping, bowing down before him. There is a place, there is a place that I love to dwell. I love to He's the presence of my father. What you're worshiping you need to see you need to open your eyes to see it you need to see God please sit down let's finish this the devil comes to counterfeit what God has spoken to us the presence of God the influence of God and we begin to lock our eyes into material things what I can be, what I can have, where I'm going, my career, my ministry, my this, my that. And our eyes get sucked into the things that we're chasing. And then guess what happens? We begin to seek glory from one another. John Piper organized an, an, a a detox, how am I going to call it? Like you know how you have Alcoholics Anonymous, right? That's people who want to recover from social media addiction. You organized it. So people signed up in this program, and here's what one woman who was recovering from social media addiction said. <laughs> I think that the heart of my social media struggle, she said, is that I am always seeking after my own glory. And that's Self-glory is never enough. It doesn't last. Each time I mindlessly scroll through social media feed or check to see if my friends have liked my post or texted me back or, or seen what I have posted, it all proves again how much I continue to lack. I can never get enough of something. He says that social media shows her her lack, that she's lacking in something. And I want to show you a scripture. We are constantly looking for affirmation from everyone. We're constantly looking for endorsement from other people. And I said it about Lagos, that Lagos is the place where I see even big men are looking for someone to, to give them a raise. Even people with billions of naira in their account, they never feel a sense of like, oh, I have it. They actually feel like they have to hook up to someone. Everybody's trying to get connected. So the message you can preach, if I preach that message now, God will bring your helper. The whole place will go wild. Many prayer meetings are premised on this, my destiny helper, to take me to the next level. Many prayer meetings are all destined on this helper. You're going to be raised. 
kind of thing. And guess what we're looking for? Glory from one another. Endorsement from one another. Confirmation from one another. Approval addiction. We're all now in a place where we're seeking approval and seeking approval, and we don't know that we've gotten to the level of addiction of approval. So here's what John chapter 5, verse 44 says. How can you believe if you accept glory from one another, yet you do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? As we journey in looking for self-endorsement of each other, we abandon the glory that comes from God. As we seek endorsement of men, we walk away. Can you imagine? So as a pastor, guess what I'm looking for? My church members to say, wow, Pastor Mo, you preach good. Like when people tell me I preach good, right? I'm actually checking with the, I'm checking upstairs. Like, hey, Lord, do you like it? Because the people who clap for you today, ha, tomorrow, you better beware. People don't clap for you always. If you live for affirmation, you're going to be broken. So in rounding up, seek the glory that comes from God. That's the more powerful glory. It's way more powerful. And it's in this place of glory that you begin to taste the power of God. You begin to taste who God is. So, the Savior came from that place of glory. And when the Savior came, he didn't come to negotiate with the devil. God came down with maximum power and he invites all of us to come and taste this power. Do you know in the place of glory there is healing? Do you know in the place of glory there is provision? We read a scripture this morning that, that do not fear. I think it's, where did we read this morning in the prayer? Because who was there in the morning when we prayed? Hebrews 13, verse what? Thank you so much. This my, this, that's my niece. She's very knowledgeable. <laughs> Put on the spot. In Hebrews 13, it says, What does it say? Can you find it? I praise you. You better find it now. Say, Therefore, I will not be afraid what man can do to me. The Lord is my helper. So I can boldly say, Yeah. Yeah, 13.5. Yes, Hebrews 13.5. It says, therefore, I will say the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. The evil plan of witches cannot touch you. The warlocks cannot touch you. Magicians cannot touch you. People from your village, you know, come something called... Pastor Fedi was preaching the other day. He called it Village People Syndrome. He actually did a series called VPS, Village People Syndrome. The fear of village people. Someone say, ah, you're doing this thing for me. I'm from Edo. Or I'm from what other towns do they call? I'm from Ekiti. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't know. 
I'm going to go home and cook something for you. VPS. There's not a plan that can walk, with you, walk against you if you stand in glory. Do you know what we're trying to do? There's a lot of problems on the earth, and we're trying to use earthly solutions to solve the problems. Go to man. But guess what God is asking you to do? Go above. Sit with me. Come up and sit where I am. And in that place, everything will look small under your eyes. Whatever they are saying against you, whatever name they are calling you on earth, you cannot use human solution to fight human problems. You need supernatural solutions. And that's actually what God wants us to do. God, the currency in the spirit is sacrifice. The currency in the spirit is is prayer. The currency in the, in the spirit is intercession. The currency in the spirit is sacrifice. How much does, do you want this and how much are you ready to pay to get it? He who sins of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. That's first part of 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. For this purpose was the son of man manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. God did not Send us here to come and negotiate with the devil. Those who sit in heavenly places can destroy the works of the devil. Say amen. Those who taste the irresistible power of God can destroy the works of the devil. You know what God wants us to do? God wants us to encounter him. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But the first part is delight. The view of God is powerful. The earth is already submitted for those who are sitting with the view of God. The warfare has ended. The victory has been declared for those who sit with God. Many people accuse God of making the earth useless, reducing the earth. But guess what? If you want to see earth with another eyes, come up higher. Come up higher. As you step into glory, the view of the earth begins to change. Your view of the earth begins to change. Do you understand? God is not seen on the outside. When you see God, he will exceed your expectations. When you see God, when you taste God, he will be bigger than what you think. He will be excellent. He will be glorious. He will be intelligent. God will be wired. God will be honorable. He will drip glory. Not the normal, foolish glory we're talking about on social media. There's another level of glory that you will see. The kind that man, money, or accolades cannot give to you. God is that irresistible jewel to die for. He is the inestimable treasure that we seek. That will leave everything and run after do you understand? God is the one who we live for. He's the one we're trying to get in with. He is the treasure that we seek. Say, He is the treasure that I seek. Say it again. He's the treasure that I seek. He's the treasure that I seek. In the times of Jesus Christ, people were always looking for jewels. In the times of Jesus Christ, people were looking for jewels. And that's why Jesus Christ gave this parable. The kingdom of heaven is that treasure which when a man finds, he sells everything to buy that field. You know the person who is selling everything to buy a field? When you look at the person selling his car, selling his house, 
What will you think? He has lost his mind, right? Person walking away from their career. What do you think? Person is, you know, my wife is here today, Hadiza. Oh, she just stepped out. Perfect timing. <laughs> when I married her, I wasn't a pastor. I was an international businessman living in Ikoyi, having an office on Adiolo Deku, traveling the world, business class, in the year 2000. That's what I was. I was that big boy of Lagos, talking to the Tony Lumelus of Nigeria and the Dangotis and Cadbury's and doing operations with some of, like the first MTN carrier infrastructure, I and my colleague designed it the one that does backhaul into the switch. The first glow, first glow international, international connection to Dusseldorf in Germany for international roaming. I designed the network. I sold that solution. The days when GSM was coming in, I was rolling in millions of dollars. That's the man she met and married. Then a few years down the road, now I started preaching a lot. And a lot. And here I am today, totally wrecked. So people look at me and say, ah, this guy, hey, what a waste. He can light up the boardroom, he can sell. Hey, I was a great salesman. My international colleagues were always wild. I entered in the room, everybody has to buy. I was not an engineer, but I would tell the engineer to shut up in the, board, in the meeting room so I can describe the technology very well. When I describe it, it's sugar in my mouth. I would just buy. There's a difference when you can, when you what you are because you can be no better versus when you what you are because God chose you. So at 32, I was already controlling millions of dollars. At 51, I am nothing in the eyes of men. But I have over a thousand souls to my credit. I have life flowing around me. Everyone who comes around me feels the atmosphere of the presence of God. Everyone who meets me has met God. Sometimes only once. I have people who told me, I met you in that cafe and from that time I gave my life to Christ and since then I've been working with God. I have people who have been healed of cancer because I answered the call. I have people who have tasted of the fruit of the presence of God because I answered the call. I have people who have been encouraged, built up, raised because I answered the call. So, I could have been making millions, living in, continuing with my Koi lifestyle or I could choose a knockdown lifestyle. I'm not doing badly, I'm living in Lekki somewhere, water side. <laughs> But when I was 42, something extraordinary happened to me. My dad died. And on that day when I went to the room when my dad died, before he died, I went to Tonahi to go and see him finally. As we're stepping out of the hospital, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, take one more look. That's the last time we're going to see him alive. And now you, you're 42. How many more years do you think you have of active strength? 18, 20, 
25. How many more years do you think you have to be strong? That's a direct question on my face. He says, so will you serve me now? I came back to Lagos and lost my chill. In, they give me the mic. I'll preach what God wants me to say. That's when I started falling into trouble with all the pastoral authority and everybody. So I fell into trouble. I took positions that I knew were godly positions, whether men grind their teeth or not. I do a church and choose the kind of songs that I know will glorify God. You know, we can do other kind of songs and this place will be full. The songs that people shake their bum, everybody shake your body, you know. And people will go away from church with empty brains. But I chose a particular kind of flavor because I know that my job is to turn the hearts of people to irresistible God. That there is more in God for people to find. I lost my chill. I refused to be obedient to the voice of men rather than the voice of God. Every time I hear God, I jump in the air. And I can tell you I'm crazy. I'm mad. I know. I took my family, sold everything I had, and went to Scotland as a missionary. When we were being established and everything was looking like we're going to stay, God says, go back to Nigeria. I dragged my entire family back to Nigeria. Everybody was like, we're trying to go abroad. You're trying to come back. I'm mad. I tell you. Do you guys understand? But what is this for? I have seen something. I have seen the glory of God. I have seen something beyond what human eyes can see. I'm touching something in God. I'm touching the revelation of power. I'm touching divine life. And this is the invitation I have for you today. That God is here to harvest some people who are going to see glory. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. God is here to journey with some people from the place of brokenness to the place of strength. God is the irresistible one. Ah, God, his beauty has captured my heart. His love has ravished me and taken me over. I can see him. I can behold him. And I invite you to take a look. Just look up. Look up. Forget that anyone is sitting next to you. Set your eyes on this beauty. Set your eyes on this beauty that is God. Set your eyes on this jewel beyond money. Take your eyes from off everything that is warring you right now. Look into glory. Look into glory. Look into glory for God is more beautiful than all. He's more desirable than anything. The treasures of this earth will fade away. Men come and go. But the beauty of God will never pass away never pass away irresistible irresistible is your name and your glory is irresistible I set my eyes on you I set my heart on heaven I set my journey before your courts. You are irresistible. And now the heavenly call is pulling someone's heart. God is asking you, will you walk with me? I am more beautiful than money. I am more desirable than gold.
I am more excellent than anything you've been craving. I'm more beautiful, more beautiful, more beautiful than gold, more beautiful than diamond, irresistible, irresistible, irresistible. Let's pray together. Say, Lord, lift up your voice. This is not a message to make you bow down. It's a message to make you lift up your head. Lift up your heads and lift up your hands. Say, Lord, I hear your call. Say it out loud. Lord, I hear your call. I know you're calling me. And I respond. Say it out. I respond. I can't hear you this morning. Say, Lord, I respond. I respond to your beauty. I respond to your glory. You are irresistible. Cause my eyes to see. Cause my heart to feel. Cause my spirit to know. You are irresistible. You are the treasure I seek. You are what I'm looking for. You are the object of my affection. You are the one I'm longing for. You are my heart desire. You are everything and more. You are irresistible. Irresistible, irresistible. So, Lord, lock us in the beauty of who you are. Take us behind the throne room. Take us to see your face and to know you. Take us, oh God, to the place where you live. Raise us, oh God, and pour holy wine on us. Pour an intoxication of who you are. That we may be infilled with you. That we may be overtaken by you. Overtaken by your beauty. Captivated by who you are. The excellence of our God. The beauty of his name. The power of his majesty. That we will sit with you in heavenly places. Far above everything that the earth speaks about. You are irresistible. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 